you know, I, I hope our community can come together um, and realize that there are a lot of competing demands. Clearly, the schools are the most important function. And by the way, the schools are still getting the largest increase of any other area of the budget this year. Mm -hmm. um, it's not like they're being not funded. anywhere on the internet at WFPR.FM and in the local FM Franklin radio dial at home in the car 102.9 here today in the Senior Center with a Talk Franklin episode in our town of ministry, Jamie Helen. Jamie, how are you doing today? Awesome, Steve. I've had a great day so far and it's great to be in person again. Not that we couldn't have been for many others, but um, it just worked out this way because we had multiple events that we were back both at back. back to back. And, and we threw this one into the third back. Yeah, <laughs> and it's kind of fun. You know, it, um, it's nice. You know, I, I, uh, I kind of miss it being with the old school mic and uh, instead of with earbuds in on a Zoom call, on you know, it's, call. Fun. Yeah. it's fun. It's fun. It's definitely impersonal. Organic, okay. very organic. Um, so it's a lot of fun. So welcome, yeah. everybody, and thanks for tuning in. Yeah, and for the listeners, we do this on a regular basis to really get into just talking what's going on in Franklin. Yeah. We, to the extent that we had two events prior to this, yeah. the second of the arts and culture listening session yeah. took place at the library, so we were both there. I left a little early to come to the second place. We'll get into that. <laughs> <laughs> but the arts and culture, there was, what, 20 or so people in the yeah. room? So that was, that was a healthy discussion, at least before I left. Each session, we've had two now, there's a third... Listeners that aren't aware, uh, Councillor Frangillo, Councillor Hamlin, and Councillor Cormier-Ledger have been spearheading a little bit of a, um, a listening tour with a lead-up to the town-wide master plan process Correct. in which we anticipate a um, seven- to ten-year strategic plan for arts and cultural development in What's town. What's the vision for Franklin? What's the long-term vision? What are the, beyond the 2050th yep. anniversary, what are we going to want to be as we continue to grow? Our identity came up today, right? And that's another issue that'll come up um, in the long run here, or short term, but in the long run about the, the identity of the community. And um, I will admit, you know, sometimes these things are devised to kind of buy people time and kind of go out and do a little dog and pony show. But I think the counselors recognized that this wasn't going to be your average dog and pony show in the sense that we were just doing it to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm really pleased that people have actually come out. We've had. One at Dean College, we have one at the library, we have a third one on May 19th at Escape to Fiction. We chose the um, downtown Fiction, business, and yeah. so we we're kind of going around town a little bit. And people have come out, and they've been really great discussions. And Council for Journalite, in particular, had a SWAT analysis, which I don't really like SWAT because it leads to you to think of SWAT <laughs> teams, but it's strengths, weak opportunities, and threats. And right out on time, when 11.55, we were out, uh, 10.55, excuse me, and um, it was two hours, and um, there was more work and ideas than we could ever accomplish, but that's okay, because we're looking out 10 years. Well, it's, it's um, a listening session. We need to gather all that info so that he, Ted, Mel, can crunch it, put it back in some sort of report to the council, but ultimately, as you said, to the master plan. And the right. master plan... The simplistic way of putting it together. So the schools went through the process, developed the portrait of the graduate. What is a graduate coming out of, whether it's K to 12 or just the 12th grade? What do they need to facilitate their future? Yeah. The master plan effectively says, okay, how are we going to do what we're going to do 
to create Franklin as the place that we can still continue to want to live and enjoy and oh by the way we can afford as well right what's that vision statement and that's that's what this is all leading up to and, and I think one of the takeaways is one thing you and I both know is there is and you know um, it's great to have Raylan Mercer there because you know she's fearless and willing to a lot of times say things that maybe not everybody wants to say mm-hmm. and I think you know that in and of itself is art um, and it does actually open people up mm-hmm. um, she hits that place of sometimes sensitivity that I think we've all become a little too sensitive to go near and um, and and people have had a tough time working together I think you're aware of that and <laughs> well, and we've had some victories in 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 the last several years it's clear that the town aspires to be the premier destination for uh, arts and cultural development in Metro West. And we're trying to still figure out how to get there. And I think mm-hmm. there are so many great points and, and ideas that are out there. Um, you know, my budget proposal this year for FY24, I did put in for a half a year also to continue on, but um, uh, is to put in a full-time public arts and um, cultural initiatives director to try to it's the time, right? We, we really need someone to be on top of the money, the grants, connecting the dots, hurting the cats, if you will, and, and, and making sure we know who's doing what um, and how do we lift up above the grassroots to Lilly, as well as the Visitors Bureau and other organizations like Dean College and everybody to say, okay, we have another audience here. How do we connect the dots? And as I said at the meeting too, we're hiring a deputy town administrator for the first time and um, outside of myself when I worked under Jeff, but still, and that candidate actually, um, well, we can't announce it uh, yet, um, will have a a strong business development background uh, with her and actually includes a lot of downtown and cultural and art festival streetscape skill sets. So even though it's one person, it's really gonna be more, Mm -hmm. and we're expecting to have a business summit someday with uh, no talking heads, no breakouts, just schmoozing and making sure we all know who's in the community and the mm-hmm. region together. And I think, I think that that um, you know, I think that's really powerful. And so you know, um, we've been making a lot of strides with the pop-up shops. Uh, we're making a lot of strides with all the organizations in town um, in terms of the cultural festival. Obviously, the Pride Festival, the Fourth of July Festival added the Blues Festival to it, mm-hmm. which is super mm-hmm. cool. And then we have the craft artisan industry of jewelry, crafts, clothing. We also had recently about three or four small retail boutiques yep. pop up. Yep. Uh, fashionable Franklin Steve, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, a yeah. distillery, a brewery, um, you know, a winery. Um, there's a lot of the shed opened up, which is actually a local craft kitchen from a family in Franklin that, that did that. Um, obviously, everybody at Glen Farmer, they know Patrick, they're from Franklin. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of great things happening. Um, and one of the other things I think you heard today that I think I'd be remiss if I didn't say it, there was a great group that has now shown up twice of a couple dozen people that want to be the core group to fight the negativity, mm-hmm. to fight the social media piranha pool of right. anger and bossing people around and way life should be and I think that that gets to the pride of Franklin that gets to the one Franklin idea 
it gets to we need to bank instead of being so upset about what's not happening mm -hmm. let's be grateful and thoughtful and smart about what we do have which right. is actually quite rich well and i think to that one of the other pieces that mentioned and certainly i buy into having worked on the initial cultural festival steering committee yes. which led yep. to the cultural district etc we're kind of spending an awful lot of time dancing around the elephant in the room and yeah. with the structural changes that I think we need and that seem to be coming, now we'll have a better structure yeah. to really coordinate and behave better to truly advance the goodness that's going here. I'm busy as heck <laughs> because we are so busy. There is so much good going on. And I only focus on the good news. I didn't even touch on bad. The, the bad headlines. Totally. So it's, it is there, it is here, it is happening. But we need to get out of we need to be our own best friends and not our own worst enemies yeah. and stop dancing around the uh, elephant in the middle of the room and structure it properly. So this is going, this is going, we'll coordinate and this is how we do it. Yeah. And and Go I, think, I think everybody kind of alluded to that at the meetings today. And, and again, there's one more on May 19th uh, from, I think, 10 to noon. Um, and we did that one, too, not only to support a downtown business, but like hopefully people will go out to lunch afterwards. Right. <laughs> and these are how these things work. Right. Um, it is really organic business development. People think business development and arts and culture are the same way. Sure, you could go lure in GE with a big tax break, right? And 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 bring in a big business. But the, ultimately, the strength of really it all is really still face to face, word of mouth, organic empowerment of people working together on their own. And sometimes these things are painfully long. Mm -hmm. uh, you know that from your earlier efforts you just mentioned ago. I mean, now it's been 10 plus years old when you were getting that original core group together with the district. 15, 15 16, years? Okay. Well, 10, 2015, 2016, yep. 2017, and then 18, the 19 district was is the one, application, yep. and I think it was awarded in 19. Yeah. So, you know, but it takes... It takes time. And Ted, you know, we took a tour, and we saw the Hopkins Center for the Arts. We saw downtown Hudson. And while most people are cool, like, wow, this is great that this is here, these things take decades. They did not happen overnight. I frequently <laughs> say this, and I know it can sometimes be annoying. This is not a add to cart on your phone, check out Amazon two-day prime right. situation. It's going to take elbow grease, work, effort, collaboration. I think what Councillor Cormier-Ledger said at the end, before we move on to the next topic, that was so critical was, and it, and it was amazing how we went through two hours and nobody mentioned this. Yeah. And I don't think he remembered until the end, but he basically said, we have the right people. We have the support from all of the elected officials on the council, the school committee, even the planning board. Right. Okay. We have the, you know, it's nice of him to say, the right town administration and the right department heads. We have the right school officials and Superintendent Jajir and everybody else. This is something to be proud of. We don't, other towns are fighting these things. Right. We have an opportunity here right in front of us where the mm -hmm. right people are theirs. We just got to put in the time and work to do it. Right. And I think as we're coming out of this virus moment that shall mm -hmm. not be named, because we have to move on and stop making excuses for ourselves about right. the pandemic. It's just time to move on mentally mm -hmm. from this. But as we kind of keep moving on from that, 
Um, you know, I was really heartened by his uh, words at the end uh, because I thought he was spot on. And mm -hmm. I think that that is something to be very grateful and thankful of. And even folks like you, Steve, and Sue Sheridan, and Roberta, and Pandora. Um, we have a new arts director at the high school, um, a department head finally after several years. I mean, there's just so many things here that are in place. This is the right time for the town to invest in that position. Mm -hmm. um, and that person's position jobs day is already now filled <laughs> with work you know um and now we have to wait you know kind of eight, eight or nine months and hopefully the council will support that mm -hmm. yeah to in my corporate experience getting the right people on the bus to use that phrase is key because yes i do recognize having observed for the 15 years this town is efficiently and effectively yeah. And admirably run to credit to you and then your team yeah. behind that. And I know you don't do it alone because you've got a team that yeah. you trust yeah. to do the Absolutely. things. And to pick up on the success of the high school, the coach there says row the boat. Right. Because it is the details. You've got to do those details on a daily basis in order to be successful. And it's not overnight. It takes time. As Jeff, so, as Jeff, gives, always, as Jeff always said, and he's spot on, and this is not like some shameless plug so the listener thinks this is a soiree before we move on to the next topic. <laughs> you know, in our form of government in Franklin, which is very different than every other community, um, the folks that are behind the rostrum pretty much almost all the time raise their hands and vote yes. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and when you look at what separates Franklin's success from other communities, um, you know, you know, people here raise their hands and vote yes. And and Ted brought that up. Other towns vote no. Mm -hmm. You know, that's 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 a that's a really not only is it a distinct uh, uh, juxtaposition, but it's a distinct opportunity advantage for Franklin right. to seize that. Yeah. Uh, especially with the new president over Dean and different people coming in and out. That's an opportunity. And, and yes, it's, it's, yes, this is business. Yes, this is about meals, taxes, hotels. This is about revenues. This is about but this is also about health. This is all about mental well-being. Um, you know, this is about a whole slew of community-wide benefits. Mm -hmm. And I think Council Premier Ledger was right. You know, you, you, it was a great way to end off the meeting and saying, you know, we have something really special here as we aim towards 2030 or the 250th anniversary in 2028 and the end of the decade, we should take advantage of this. Where other towns are saying no, Franklin's saying yes. Mm -hmm. And that's powerful. Right, right. And nothing more powerful than coming to the uh, volunteer celebration oh. here at the Senior Center. There was over 100 people being recognized as volunteers, of which I'm proud to be one. Yeah. I don't need to be recognized to be volunteers. Yeah. I'm just doing what I think is necessary. Yeah. To, to be with this community because it's, yeah. it's a key part of Franklin. And oh, by the way, yes, demographically, it's a growing part of Franklin as well. And think of the, the not only all the volunteers, but think about, you know, and, and Danielle's obviously done an amazing job since we were able to get her in here a year and a half ago. Um, personally, for both of us, you know, Karen Alves and I talked years ago about a Rainbow Cafe mm -hmm. um, to support uh, many who have been in the closet for many years who are um, seniors. Um, and you know the pandemic hit and we didn't have the right people in place and you know for something like that you got to have you got to have support and we didn't have it for a while um, and so that was an idea five years now later we're able to do and it just shows you even when you're talking about arts and cultural development it's not just about paintings right 
it's really about even that. Um, of course, now they joke they want a liquor license in here because the Rainbow Cafe wants to have a cold, cold beer and a glass of wine while they're shooting pool downstairs. But, you know, that's getting, you know, several dozen people, sure. you know, to show up for that. And, and you're seeing the healing and the mental health issues and the comfort come because some people have come that never came out before. And, and that's something that brings, you know, an incredible amount of joy, I think, to all of us to see that. But even that one little thing here, amidst how many programs they have downstairs, mm -hmm. right? They bring in all sorts of speakers on watercoloring and painting and the silver tones, the choir. I mean, really, it's just, it's a part of the fabric of the town. Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah. and so, uh, you know, we have exciting opportunities ahead of us. Um, and we could talk about this for two hours. <laughs> we could. Um, and so we it's could. fun. And and just a quick story. So I sat at a table, introduced myself to some people said, well, I don't remember seeing you. So well, I'm in here on Wednesdays because we do, the, we do yeah. the writer's group up here in this room. The writer's? Yes. Right? And then we record at the studio. So we're not always here. We use the studio as well. Um, and then when she, when she heard my name, she said, oh, I need to ask you a question. <laughs> and then we went off on a tangent to answer her question about the stormwater fee that's coming. Oh, that's she, right. Yeah. She was getting some misinformation, yeah. and you know, I understand that. So I had the opportunity to... For any of the young that. listeners out there listening, this is my soapbox sentence. Get off the phone. What you just said was so powerful, Steve, right? That connection point of I have a question for you and giving ease to somebody who's not understanding something is so much more impactful mm -hmm. when you're dealing with the person. Sure. The lack of focus that we have with the phones, and I have two of them, <laughs> I hate them, um, yeah. uh, you know, is a big deal. And I see as we've, again, coming out of the pandemic, it's like those statements of connectivity are really much more powerful than the device we hold in our mm -hmm. hands. It may be a little more convenient. I mean, I have my apps like everybody else, and so do you, and whatever. But um, but stop running away and diving into the phone. Jake Auchincloss, Congressman Auchincloss, pointed this out a year ago. Sure. When Council of Cormier Lawyers said, what's your message to young people? Engage face-to-face -face mm -hmm. and get off the phone. Yeah. And that's engagement in particular has been one of our recurring themes. So regular listeners, you should have heard that a few times at least. Yeah. Um, but I think this, in terms of timing, is a great opportunity. And to the extent that you've also used, you know, where the town government's kind of a tortoise. You're slow and steady. <laughs> Things cannot be like you just said before in terms of ordering something on Amazon, getting the next day. That doesn't happen. But I think the town, if you step back and look at a citizen question mm -hmm. coming to fruition. Now, in some cases, like, can we have more handicapped parking at the town common? Mm -hmm. That was relatively quick. It was because relatively it, quick. It was in yeah. something that was very easy in the scope, it took a little bit of painting, a little bit of signage, boom, was done. Others in terms of more pickleball courts, well, they're in the planning process. That will happen, mm -hmm. and not too much longer. But at one point in time, it wasn't that long ago, you know, how come we don't have a bylaw that says we could have a brewery, winery, distillery yeah. here? Now we're one of the few communities that has all three. Yeah. I think people need to understand that, you know, those are discussions that happen over time. And I know, and personally, I was at one of the very first economic development committee meetings when Olivier came in 
and respectfully of the people around the table from the town council, had never been to a brewery to have that kind of experience that he was trying to explain as to what could enable what we now see, right? And he's expanding. He's going into Rentham Village yeah. and bringing the beer there. He's bringing it's it to Boston. <laughs> he's 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 won awards, um, you know, as a um, and incorporating arts and culture because he's got the art, art galleries, he's got trucks. art events, he's got yoga events. All of those have economic development impacts that bring tax dollars, oh, by the way, to Franklin, which is what we need as well. And people. And people. You know, it's funny you say that because when you do look back. That legislation, I think, was passed in 2017. Yep. If you go back and look at the record, um, this is not a, a slant on my predecessor, Mr. Nutting. He didn't really understand it at all, and he wouldn't even sign off on it. And he said, you're on your own on this one. you know. And um, part of that, I think, was him trying to empower me to um, get acclimated He's to the council. And the, late, and the late Mr. Basanti, I remember vividly saying to me, Jamie, I don't know what you're trying to do here, but I am I am I am a laissez-faire, you know, I am a no judgment business person. And if you think that this is gonna help, you know, I'm all in favor of it. Now think about that for a minute, right? 2017 wasn't that long ago. There was a bit of a vision, and then eventually Patrick at Glen Farmer saw the article in the newspaper, may have been on Franklin Matters to boot, and said, Oh, they just created a a new bylaw. Let me take a look at that. And had a vision in his head of a major distillery. And then, oh, by the way, Encontro went out of business. And this is actually how business development mostly works. Mm-hmm. It's you need at-bats in order to get hits. Right. If you can't get any hits, if you don't get any at-bats, and you've got to keep trying and smooth things out. And ultimately, the biggest success story of both 67 Degrees and Glenn Farmer, I will give Bob Vizell a lot of credit. He was my support on this, you know, sure. and he helped with Consul Basanti yeah. and Consul yeah. DeLorco because they had been friends and worked and saw the brewery that he was having in the basement, uh, the, distil- uh, the winery. winery yeah. But think of both 67 and Glenn Farmer now where in a very short order, they are now regional destinations. And I think 67 is going to have probably within the next few years a whole nother Mm-hmm. element to them. So 2017 to 2000, say 24, 25, eight years Six, it took seven, years, right? and a pandemic in the middle mm-hmm. to say, look at the resiliency, look at the market demand. Now people are coming here. Those are meals taxes. Those are now corporate events that can be held there. Mm-hmm. The president of Dean College is visiting all of them to try to make connections with them because sure. he's finding out his students want to be accountants at Netta or a brewery or mm-hmm. a distillery in a bigger right. environment. They, sure. they don't want to do the grow or they don't want to do the distilling. That, that's not their thing, but they want to be a part of those organizations because sure. that's part of their culture. Yep. Now we're getting internships and things. And that's ultimately how you develop real economic development, mm-hmm. you know, in the end of the day. And, and that was just a simple bylaw, you know, and we've changed and tweaked it a couple times based on their recommendations. Mm-hmm. And now they're both, I think, um, almost impossible to get a table and a seat in those places. I unfortunately cannot go to 67 degrees very much because I have celiac disease. Oh. Um, and so, um, and, I, and Olivier should not be developing gluten-free beer for any, you know, that's, that. that I don't need that. It, I've had enough beer, beer in my, I've had enough <laughs> beer in my life that I'm, I'm all set with beer by this point. But as somebody who does have 
an allergy like that, you know, there is Glen Farmer that's right True. there. And there are other options. Right. And there is the winery. And so there's a lot for everybody. And that's part of the inclusiveness of all of this. And so, um, you know, these are the things that you see the community is trying to do our part to create a minor framework. Pop-up shops would be another one. We, Amory Tracy. Amory Tracy. I'm going to keep saying her name. Amory Tracy. Amory, <laughs> if you know Amory Tracy out there, and I know Amory knows everybody, um, genius. Just another moment of Greco designs, um, escape to fiction, and maybe the most successful of them all, Dolio Coffee. Right. Who has ever- chosen not to have a storefront, right. but to be mobile. And now they got four or five mobiles they got instead of just one. Four or five mobiles. And I know Alexis still wants a brick and mortar. You know, then, she is. Yeah. But, but she's also, she's also so funny. She's like, I don't have time anymore to even look. And, and what a great success story where we, in a last minute effort, I looked at the staff when Hustle and Flow realized they couldn't do their thing. And I said, there's only a few people left. There's a bookstore and a coffee shop and a few other businesses, that antiques or something. And I said, coffee and books. And I looked at Lily and Alicia and I said, you've got to go call them. Just get them in there for two or three months on their own. We're paying all the bills for them through a state grant. They have no cost for startup. Mm-hmm. And now look at both. Right. Awesome. Like really, really, really superiorly awesome. And this is all part of Councilor Frangillo's um, soapbox, if you will, about how you build the tax base. Oh, we don't have enough money to fund all of our services that we're desiring. Well, we can't just be NIMBYs and obstructionists. We have to have an open mind. And well, for every NIMBY that doesn't want a house next to them, you know, that's revenue loss. For everybody that doesn't want that type of business, say, that's revenue loss. Mm-hmm. And also what we've realized is there's a, there's a retail market in Franklin that is not tapped into yet. People oh. want the mobile Dolio coffee sure. at virtually everything they do. Right. That's right. awesome. Well, and the, one of the other, certainly Franklin for All and MAPC did some significant work. But even prior to that, they did that market analysis yeah. of Franklin. And from that... When people have looked at that, that's also spawned businesses because it gets into the details as to that true market opportunity in terms of what is already here versus what are people looking for. And there are significant gaps (laughs) still to this day. That's right. Some of which, even with applause opening now, so now we have a gelato shop where we used to have a couple of ice cream places. (laughs) We didn't have any for a while. Now we have something back. And... You know, I mean, we've never pitched ourselves this way, but I know the new deputy town administrator, in addition to Julie Jacobson, are looking at this. Apricot Lane pops up out of nowhere. We have Dress Code Boutique, which every obviously that's not my thing. Um, but when I drive by it every time, I see these vibrant colors in the window. Mm-hmm. And I think to myself, that's amazing, right? Someone's buying these amazing dresses in there for something. Um, and wow, and then you've got pretty in pink. You've, you know, unfortunately the Briller Boutique didn't last too long um, up there. And so you've got this like little nooks all of a sudden they're saying, wow, there's a market here for Gen Xers and millennials that are looking for mm-hmm. unique wares. Sure. And, and the town is supporting these. So it's giving me a clue of something we didn't even try to develop yeah. is organically kind of coming into play. And so I think part of the future when the deputy gets here and we work on some business avenues, I think we've got to look at that MAPC report you just said about where are we losing opportunities. We knew restaurants and, and artists and craft stuff was not working. We filled a little bit of that gap. It worked out. I think now we got to start thinking about 
What is the retail market? What is the service economy? Birchwood Cafe came out of nowhere and became a huge success story. And they told us they saw the opportunity here. So they did, and they're successful. What else could happen? Well, and I think we've talked before to the extent that we've uniquely got that restaurant alcohol license. We're untapped in that. Totally. So anybody can open a restaurant, you have to have their space, whatever, and get a license for that. During, you know? the, during the interview <laughs> process for the deputy, the eventual selection, and I can't wait to announce it in a few weeks, but um, I mentioned um, to her, she is coming from a community in which all alcohol was banned. Oh. And she was successful in lifting that in the community and saying, you're restricting your business ability if you don't allow liquor licenses. When I told her as part of the final interview that we had an unlimited quota, she almost fell out of her chair. Because in her mind, from a business mind, she said, wow, what a powerful thing to promote. Now, for many years, we, you know, we all tried to keep that quiet because... You know, we're a very rare community in Massachusetts that accepted that 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. To the geniuses that voted on that on the council the 40 years ago, they should have a statue somewhere kudos, and said, there's the nine thank that you, voted to you. give us an unlimited quota. But we do have an unlimited restaurant quota. Um, most towns have to petition the legislature for that and it can take a year. Right. Um, we can give them out all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, a, as you just said, that is a distinct advantage. And I do expect the next um, deputy town administrator to take full advantage of that. I mean, mm-hmm. she literally was like, "You have what? How? How? You know? How did that? Ha- where did that come from? Mm-hmm. Right. And how are you not selling that? We should be at restaurant association conferences." Come and I was here, like, "Come here, come here, right? Uh, we're a hungry town. Yeah. Um, whether you're new and, we're and vegan, and we're thirsty. Whether you're new and vegan, gluten-free, vegetarian, or or whatever, or whether you're old school and you're Italian and you just want to eat uh, good old-fashioned food, um, we're non-judgmental here. We want everybody because right. we know we have a diverse uh, thirst and uh, appetite, and we want to try to sink it. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's really cool stuff. Yeah, and I think." to the extent that the time is right. The time is right as well to reinforce yet again. Sorry we're beating the horse. <laughs> the horse is kind in this case. We're taking good <laughs> yeah, care right. of it. That's right. But there's so many opportunities for citizens, residents to still become involved. Yeah. The master plan, the open space and recreation committee, those things, the, the open space and recreation survey closes uh, May 1, yep. but there's still going to be public hearing once they develop their plan. Yep. That itself rolls into the master plan. That's going to be another 18 months to build this Franklin image, a la portrait of a graduate. Yep. Police station building committee has been named. Davis Thayer will get named at some point. There is stuff happening, and then ultimately, there's the, bub- the budget hearings mm-hmm. at the FinCom level, much more detailed as we talked before, and then at the town council, those are places where the money actually becomes, and again, to reinforce your point, you, put, you can put a little bit here and a little bit there, and then the next year we may be able to do a little bit more, and then that continually is to grow, yeah. because we can't do it all, unfortunately. Yeah. It's, but we it's, need to grow that overall pie in order to do more. It's um, it's not an avalanching or a domino effect. It's more like tumbleweed, right? right. I mean, we just kind of slowly, you know, kind of go along, you know, the terrain um, because we're limited by those things, um, you know, in terms of the prop, proposition two and a half, right? Sure. There's only so much we yeah. can do. And it's very hard today to referee engagement versus exhaustion. And mm-hmm. 
I think you and I have talked a little bit about this offline, but if your citizens out there listening, and I know that this has been at times um, something that um, the schools have taken a, a, a bit of a, a chip on, um, at some point people decide, do I want to have my voice heard or not? And as you pointed out, there are there are almost, I would argue, maybe at times too many mm-hmm. avenues, right? You know this with the redistricting and other things and the master plan. And I, I, it's a tough balance. There are a lot of avenues out there for any listener to get involved, have their voice heard, send an email, show up at a meeting. We do everything hybrid. We've given you phone, Zoom, in-person email. I mean, there's no way for anybody to not get in touch with us, right? On the other hand, I am I am aware that there is also an exhaustion to some of this. And I think what we're trying to create, and the school committee does a great job of this too, we're trying to just create the spaces for people to have that if they want. But I think we also have to be conscientious enough um, to realize people are exhausted from input. They elect us to hire me hire the superintendent, to hire department heads and principals to make decisions for them. We can't lose our ability as leaders to not have our finger on the pulse because we respect that life is really challenging and exhausting right now for Mm -hmm. a lot of people. Um, They don't have the time to come out to 28 meetings on the master plan, right? Mm -hmm. Um, They don't have the hours to do that. Um, And we respect that. And I think there's a balance that we're all trying to figure out. And I think the school committee and the town council are, are in a position to try to figure that out. At least I can speak for the staff of saying, when do you make the decision and go, we got to just move, make the decision and move on. Mm-hmm. We have to be decisive, but also we have to go solicit more input. And this week there was a discussion on this relative to flags in town, which yes. was exactly that point, right. which is... The council clearly feels something needs to happen, and I think we all want to honor the pride flag somewhere in town to make sure that our friends in the LGBTQ uh, community are uh, welcome, respected, and not only that, but purely loved. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I stand, and I think you would agree, I, I, I don't care what anybody tells me. Um, there, are, there are a few grumps out there that will never change, and that's their right, whether it's their their, 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 their perception of it, whether they're watching something from the media or whether it's their religion and their faith, okay? We have to respect those individuals' opinions as repulsive sometimes as they can be. The colossally overwhelming percentage of people in this community are so supportive of that particular demographic. Mm-hmm. And as the town has continued to diversify quite a bit, Namely, the Asian American community or those of Asian descent is clearly the next largest sub-demographic in town by enormous numbers. And those of Indian descent is the third in that demographic analysis. Mm -hmm. We know the town is going to grow over the next 10 years in its diversity. But when you talk about flags and symbols, there's a reason why there's violence associated with them. And we just can't go out and just do things. There's a good example of engaging the community, I think, that, that the council clearly saw and they, they respected, which was warm to my heart. You read my memo. Mm-hmm. Everybody did. And, right. and the passion behind of it, because I don't want to see 
um, a situation where something positive and warm and healing goes up and then all of a sudden we're now on channel four, five, and seven as the latest incident of swastikas, vandalism, yelling and anger. There is, in this case, an engagement piece that I think has to happen with the Interfaith Coalition. The school committee had a, a really, really tough time. Pre the previous school committee, not the current folks, a few mm -hmm. years ago sure. with these in the hallways at school because they don't allow banners and right. flags and symbols. Um, and, and engaging um, uh, other uh, folks in town like the Veterans Council who have been living with the idea of flags for 100 years um, and police and fire. You know, the thin blue line flag is now horrifically toxic to a lot of people. Right. But for 30 plus years, it was the symbol for law enforcement sure. when someone died and got basically died or shot in mm -hmm. the line of duty. Sure. And so those things have changed. Yeah. And how do we educate people that the thin blue flag, for example, can mean different things to different people? Mm -hmm. um, these things evolve over time. The pride flag at one point, by the way, was the symbol of political support essentially, mm -hmm. toward equal marriage rights. Sure. This November is the 20th anniversary of the world-changing decision that happened here in Massachusetts, mm -hmm. where Margaret Marshall was the deciding presiding judge, appointed by Republicans, no less, um, where she made the 5-4 to four decision and said, under the Constitution, you cannot prohibit mm -hmm. a gay couple from getting married. Right. 20 years ago. 22 decades, Steve, not to show our gray hair, but 20 years ago feels like, as somebody like myself that was on the front lines of that, it just, it's, it's surreal to think, wow, it was 20 years ago. We have come an enormously long way since those Phil Donahue shows back in the 80s trying to show gay men in the world and what this was all about and the fear behind of it. So in a 40-year time span, we've gone from trying to you know quarantine gay men basically to manhattan which was a legislative effort in the 80s mm -hmm. to equal marriage to now we're talking about you know really a microscopic population that may create some vandalism you right. know and as i pointed out in my memo you know everybody in unanimously on the council the school committee the planning board our elected boards are very supportive of this and this is a good example of something that the community does need to engage on. As I said, we don't want to just react. We want to be smart on this type of thing. On other issues, like the budget, um, zoning, mm -hmm. <laughs> I think, uh, the public sometimes says, whoa, like, Jamie, I ain't reading your 300-page document. I'm obligated to do that, by the way, by the law. I'm sorry. I can't do a one-page cliff notes. Um, zoning, I think we all know uh, how people feel about that. They're looking for our leaders and myself and others to solve these problems. Right. Um, we just have the forums out there to be able to allow people to come out. But I think that the engagement um, piece is a, is a fine balance. Fine balance, definitely. And to reinforce a couple of points based on what we said earlier, certainly it's the keyboard warriors on the social media piece. It's not the sound bites that are going to make yeah. a change. It's going to be the story right. that you totally. and I and everybody else absolutely interacts, changes. Oh, yeah, you need this? Well, we'll do, consider this, consider this, consider this. And that story can evolve, but we need to tell that story in a way such that people will move along with us. Right. I think I've mentioned before, there's a uh, African proverb. If you're going to go somewhere and you want to get there quickly, go alone. <laughs> but if you're going to go
go somewhere and want to get there in a sustainable manner, you got to take people with you. That's well said. And in order to do that, that takes time. Look at what we did recently with the Community Preservation Act. How about the stormwater utility? You just mentioned that a minute ago. Absolutely. That took Councillor Hamlin years to engage the public. We had charrettes. We had the dog. We had Ben Franklin. Mm -hmm. And Derek and Kate uh, down at the DBW, we've been talking to families, visiting homes one-on-one. Right. Um, CPA is still one of the greatest success stories of just systemically, strategically planting it over and over. Here's the problem. Here's a solution. And, you know, it's been, I think, anything it can't be anything less than transformative mm -hmm. and i think that that proverb that you just mentioned is um is a great metaphor for what we do yeah. and um and so we've had a uh, we have a busy meeting coming up this week speaking of all that um, relative to sewer rates and the beaver street interceptor another project not 109 years <laughs> but really i mean before i got here right the last 10 years moving that along right sure. and now we're here and we know people are going to complain incessantly about sewer rates and traffic. Yep. But just to remind the public and the folks listening out there, if you want to continue to flush your toilets, you have no choice but to do this project. A right. 109-year-old pipe. But I think to your point, you have to bring people along with you. And I think on these issues, mm -hmm. particularly the elected officials, they, they, we don't need to engage. They understand the cause and effect of this mm -hmm. decision. They, right. they get it, right. you know. And, and as part of the story, it's, oh, yes, our money is going to increase. There's more coming out of our pocket. But there could have been more because, oh, by the way, we've done this. We've done that. We've got a nice rate from the state. We had a nice rate there. We've used uh, opera funds where available. Yeah. So we've done a whole bunch of stuff to minimize yeah, the impact yeah. coming out of our pocket. And that needs to be part of the story. It will and hopefully so, be on Wednesday. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm going to count on you, Steve, to bring it up if nobody else does. Because I do think, I think you're right. And, and you know, we did what we had to do for housing choice to get a half a percent less on a rate, interest rate. Anyone out there knows about interest rates, you know. Even a half a percent on a $30 million project can save hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's huge. Very quick. That's up very quickly. And we know there'll be change orders. There'll be bumps in the road, per se. Um, and we'll find something underground we didn't expect. Gonna, well, and as everybody knows, the joke where, you know, Brutus always says, it goes through the swamp, uh, it goes through Army Corps land, it got built under a swamp, under the MBTA train tracks, and under the Village Mall. Right. Um, and in, mind 495. in addition to 495, <laughs> this ain't no pipe you can just go patch up with some duct tape. This is a serious public safety and a public infrastructure issue. And... Um, you know, so I think even on those things, to your point, um, you know, and the listeners out there, hopefully, hopefully find these um, these podcasts helpful to help bring you along um, on this ride. Um, you know, as we do these projects, and as everybody knows, is um, you know, we'll kind of end on the budget. Um, the FY twenty four budget proposal is out. Speaking of bringing people along, mm -hmm. I know it's long. No choice, but you can keyword search now. Again, yes. uh, with Jeff Nutting listening out there, you could ever keyword search his stuff because he scanned them. But uh, we changed that. So now if you want to go into those documents, you can keyword search everything to make it a little easier for you. If anybody out there is, is listening to this that's um, got school-aged children um, or you're a senior citizen um, of any age group, of any background, um, you know, it's really worth tuning in on May 8th is the opening night of the Finance Committee hearings. We have the same week every year. Um, May 10th, 
um, is going to be all schools. And as I announced the other night, the superintendent of Tri-County, for the first time ever, the Norfolk Aggie superintendent is coming, mm-hmm. um, Superintendent Martin, which is awesome. And yes. obviously the Franklin Public School District will be there. And I'm guessing we'll have an audience of folks trying to talk about school finance, which mm-hmm. is exciting. Right. And then on May 11th um, is public safety and the final recommendations. If you're not public safety, your schools. DPW, no, DPW actually had to be rescheduled to the first night this year. Oh, so it's yep. not just government, yep. so general every, government and DPW. General government and DPW. Oh, okay. And if you're wondering general government, what is that? Benefits, debt and interest, planning, uh, board of health, assessors, library, administration, library, recreation, senior center. Everything not public safety in schools is on night one. Right. And usually that night goes pretty quick because most people see that there's not a lot of money there. It's not really the big, uh, which is why we split off the schools to their own night and public safety right. under their own night, um, which has worked out really well. So mm-hmm. May 8th. Respectfully, the schools are more than half the budget anyway. Schools are well more than half the budget. Um, and, you know, it is, um, despite what some people want to try to frame me as the TA as, um, anything but. It is the most important thing we fund. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we at the end of the day, you know, we all want our children to have a better future than what we had. Right. You can argue about all the other stuff in between. No. No. And so, um, you know, um, these are tough choices, and there's some inconvenient truth to a lot of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, that has to get exposed. Right. The taxpayers, with what's before them, needs to. Um, here, the challenges and the successes um, of what the future looks like. Right. And those nights are, are there to bring that out. Yeah. Um, and as you've always said and been very supportive of, you know, the FinCom really are the deep dives. I mean, that's where you really learn things and you can ask the deeper questions. The mm-hmm. council hearings are not intended in the charter, never were, Steve, I don't no. think, no. to be these exhaustive deep dives. There's politics, we get it. There's, sure. there's trouble. Yeah. I, I, this, yeah. this, these are your CEOs. But, you know, really, if you're looking to kind of understand the four corners of the puzzle and what's going on, the real May 8th, the real May 10th, story. May 11th, yeah. those are the dates out there that hopefully those listeners, and hopefully you'll come along with us for the ride, as George Conley, the chair of the Finance Committee, always says. And it's true. For my eight years here, this is my eighth budget cycle. I can't mm-hmm. believe I'm saying that, Steve. Eight year. I'm almost here for a decade. That's That's, scary. I've been Um, here twice as long. (laughs) (laughs) But we've never had a citizen show up at these. Other than me, he doesn't count me anymore. (laughs) (laughs) You're kind of a de facto. But it is true. And I think when people ask me that all the time, they go, "How does that happen?" People in Franklin are happy. Generally, they are happy. If they were unhappy, they show up. And how do I know that? They because do. they show up when the Summer Street zoning came up. Boy, that was a fire code problem. There were so sure. many people there, right? Yeah. When the Davis Thayer issue came up, people came out right. huge, yeah. right? I mean, they are alert. The amount of messages I get of people watching the meetings live on TV, mm-hmm. the streaming service we now have on YouTube, sure. audio like we're doing here uh, for the car ride to work. Yeah earbuds while you're doing your um, you're doing your peloton bike at home um, or you're washing dishes um, or you're just relaxing and watching um, hopefully the Celtics win um, (laughs) last night and the Bruins tonight but um, we need you out there 
to come along with us um, because if we are going to deal with the financial challenges of the town, which includes the school budget, um, we need people, particularly newer people to Franklin, like unlike you, Steve, it's great to have you there, but you've read it all for decades. What we really need are the newer folks in Franklin, many of which are on the master plan committee. Mm -hmm. I put several people on that sure. committee yeah. intentionally for this. Yeah. We need you to come along. We need you to be patient. We need you to be civil. We need you to listen. We need you to tune in. You don't need to speak. Many people are uncomfortable with that. Mm -hmm. We don't need you to yell. We don't need you to illustrate threats. And we do not need you to panic. But what we need you to do is listen very closely to the dynamics we cannot have people saying, this is the way it should be. I can't do that. I, I am not, my job is not to be yes, yes, yes. My job is to be, I'm sorry to say this, but this is the law. I am sorry to tell you this, but this is how this is. I am sorry to tell you this, but this is my constraints. This is why I, we put out this this way. This, we're going to listen to the fire chief. We are going to listen to the library director. We are going to listen to the recreation director. Mm -hmm. What we're going to hear when we hear from him is record breaking almost every season now. Right. Ryan has developed a program at which even by his metrics, and he's not listening to this, but maybe he will. But he says, he's even walking into me looking, how, how, why, Jamie? How am I bringing in so much revenue for these programs? It's because you're a genius, Ryan, and you're the best right. that's ever lived at what you do. But right. we need you to listen to them. And right. we need to listen to the citizens as well about what they're feeling. Mm -hmm. And we need to have a three-way or two-way street. We need to be able to have the back and forth. And we need the patience. We need everybody to come along. Mm -hmm. We need to be unified. We need to be one. And that goes on every single person in this community. We need to be one. And, um, and I hope people really start seeing what's in the writing about inflation and other things, and about the challenges moving forward. Because if they don't, they are going to wake up a day in a year or two or three. And then they will have to panic. Mm -hmm. And then they will be upset. And there will be a lot more agony and pain. Right. People need to tune in and they need to listen and they need to be a part of that message. So uh, May 8th, May 10th, May 11th, um, if you can't make those nights, Steve, I know you're going to end off on some call letters, but Absolutely. where if you can't make those meetings those nights, which we know parents are busy, but if you can't make those meetings, how will people be able to see the, the, the budget meetings for FinCom? afterwards so that they can at least maybe still yeah, be educated. Um, the one key piece is franklin.news. Yeah. You could go to franklinmatters.org. Franklin.news is a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. There'll be a post with the YouTube link for each of the nights and then a day or so later the audio will come out. So if you have a podcast app, yeah. Franklin Matters Radio has a podcast, that'll be available. The text will be there. The budget text is already there. So you'll have between the print, the visual, and the audio that's the story. And they will re-show, I believe, the episodes on Franklin TV. Franklin TV will have those. And they'll be on YouTube. Yes. YouTube view. link will be the next day because it's available right away. They'll be scheduled for Franklin TV's government channel. They'll be there. 
there's not a way that we've thought of yet that, that we can't deliver it. Yeah. It, it. It's out there. The video is going out. It's going to be scheduled. The YouTube is going to be immediately available. The audio via podcast will be available. My text and notes, my summary, my short piece, so at least can get the highlights and then go to where the, they need to go, depending upon their yeah. topic of interest. Then yeah. in a big budget, there are lots of topics of interest. But And yeah. at franklinma.gov, right on the homepage, town budget. Town budget, right there on the right-hand side. When I got here, I'm, I'm proud of it because I think it, it has helped a lot of people sure. from what I've heard. There's now an archive. All the capital plans, fiscal forecasts. I think what um, I've heard recently from a lot of people is, we never knew you were even talking about the need for tax levy capacity five years ago, seven years ago. And as you know, Steve, it's been documented and written out for years. We'll take the minute to go back, but we did successfully, we as a community, passed one successful operational override in 2007. Failed again in 2008, and I think it was in 2010. And, the 14, out- and then 14. And 14 later. But 10, the message then was there's no transparency, there's no long-range plan. Right. So the town put together the long-range plan committee, which yeah. spent a couple of years, developed the doc. Now it's incorporated. That's your strategic plan that you have to yeah. do and update every year, five-year outlook. Yeah. That came from those actions back then. Yeah. Right. And and now we have the joint budget subcommittee, and um, you know that's been the chosen forum of the three major boards, um, yeah. and so it kind of replaces almost like the long range, you know, planning committee, which really is mostly more master plan stuff too. But um, you know now is really the time for uh, a lot of folks to um, get involved in those um, in those discussions. Yeah. And as I'm sitting here. Uh, in the conference room of the senior center, um, we're looking out uh, over the hill um, at the schools, um, getting out for the day, and um, and you know what, um, you know I, I can't. As we've been talking, I've been sitting here watching uh, kids getting picked up uh, uh, over here at the elementary schools, and um, you know uh, Oak and Horse Man, and you know at the end of the day, um, you know I'm, I'm looking at parents walking out and stuff. And these are the people we're here to help. These are the people that um, are counting on us to work together, um, to unify and be one, um, because uh, their educational future um, depends on us. Mm-hmm. Um, we know what they need. We know what they want. We know the problems. We, we, all of us, we all know mm-hmm. exactly what's going on, Steve. You do. Right. I do. The school committee does. The council does. The FinCom does. What I told one resident this week of, we've got to stop complaining about the problems. And we've got to start talking about what the solutions are. And those solutions are going to be horrifically uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. um, But we can't run away from them. We've got to engage with them. We cannot operate in silos. Back to the Uh, elephant in the room. We've got to get away from that elephant (laughs) and start having the conversations and get progressive and determine whatever that vision in terms of how we're going to solve the financial issue through joint budget I think is probably going to be the best piece so yeah specifically I started this many years ago because of the issues that I was hearing from the home the home family I didn't have to go home help them with their homework anymore because one was in college and one was finishing <laughs> and I started trying to understand this and it was like respectfully the newspaper had an article but that was only five minutes of the two-hour meeting yeah. where was the rest well when the TV at that time was recording it but then sending a DVD to oh. a library six months later, 
that's not timely info. <laughs> now clearly I've evolved over time, so we now have this multimedia mega thing with the radio and TV going, but it's to provide the information to facilitate the conversations yep. because together we can come up with a solution. FranklinMA.gov, town budget, Steve, this might be why you and I don't do these things live in person. <laughs> we, you know, this is, I think, both the, um, <laughs> it's the positive piece of radio. We've talked about this before, right, right. you know, engaging and having a good conversation. Hopefully this is beneficial to the listeners just to, you know, maybe hear a few fun things and, and learn a few things. Um, but uh, we're way over time. And um, I think this is, we don't do this often, but, but it is a Friday. It is beautiful outside. We've had a couple of great back-to-back -back events today. And, um, you know, uh, and um, you know, so next time on Zoom, the listeners can, when Steve and I are on Zoom, we'll, we'll keep it to 20 minutes or 30 minutes. We'll keep it just enough for you to have breakfast and stuff and, mm -hmm. and whatnot. Yeah, I apologize. I didn't realize we were, we were having such a good conversation. I didn't even look at the me, clock. Me neither. And actually, I'm looking dead center at the clock, but I'm still looking out at the school over here. And as we've been talking, you know, if you're me, I just, you know, you have to look out there. And this is what I do all the time. I drive around. I know what's going on. Uh, but I'm seeing the kids coming out, and I'm seeing the little kiddos bopping along for the weekend on a beautiful day. And, um, you know, I, I hope our community can come together um, and realize that there are a lot of competing demands. Clearly, the schools are the most important function. And by the way, the schools are still getting the largest increase of any other area of the budget this year. Mm -hmm. um, it's not like they're being not funded. Um, but... You know, we've got some tough conversations, some tough decisions to make coming up. Um, and as Ted Cormier-Ledger said earlier, as we were just saying, you know, the right elected officials are in place. I know that they have full confidence in me to lead us through this challenging time. We know we have the school committee and the superintendent that we need. Uh, what we need is everybody to come forward with a little humility um, and realize that um, what has gone on in the last year and in the past it's now time for us to move forward and, um, and move past some of our differences. Um, and it's now time for us to unite uh, and do what's best for these kiddos walking over here, mm -hmm. you know, out of Oak and uh, Horace Mann in the high school um, complex. So right. uh, hopefully we'll get there. And we thank all the listeners. And, um, you know, hopefully we'll see you in a couple weeks at the budget hearings. Yeah. Well, thank you again for taking time to really elaborate which is talking Franklin. It's exactly what we've intended to do. So I appreciate that. <laughs> a little too much. Well, no, no. <laughs> a little bit longer, but, you know, we, we go yeah. with the flow. Right? We go with the flow. Yeah. yeah. And just a quick reminder, we do this because Franklin matters. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tin Type Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.